We're back. Thank you, back. Hey, friends! You're listening to Life in Theater, the podcast where theater people of all kinds come to reconnect with why we chose this life in theater and spill the tea. On this show, we discuss their careers, what they wish they knew when they were starting, current theater culture where they would like to see this art form go in the future, and much, much more. I'm your host, Tyler Calhoun, and I'm so, so happy that you decided to spend some time with me today. Hey friends, thank you for joining me for another episode, another riveting episode of Life in Theater. I know it's been a while, and I apologize for my lack of consistency lately. There's a lot going on, friends, but this week we are back and very excited to be. On the last episode, I announced a giveaway only for my Patreon subscribers, and I have a winner of the exclusive Life in Theater mug, so stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out if that winner is you. All right, cuties, let's get into it. My guest this week is the fabulous Tony Carousella. Tony and I met during the fall of 2019 when I was directing a one act in a play festival that she was stage managing. Tony was one of the apprentices working at the theater during this time, and that's actually the main focus of this episode. Theater apprenticeships, internships, and the insider's look into what the experience is really like. And if you thought it was all sunshine and rainbows... Yay! Well, you're in for a reality check. Sorry to say. But this conversation was inspired by a larger national conversation in the American theater industry surrounding the practice of unpaid internships and unfair compensation for the labor involved in those internships and apprenticeships. It would seem that while the theaters had their doors shut, the artists had some time to think amongst themselves, share their experiences, and organize to work toward ending the unfair practices that so many young artists, and even older artists, still face today. We'll be getting more into these topics in the next episode, which features an interview with an organization working to make change in this space right now. And they're looking for help. So you'll be able to get involved if you're interested. But this episode highlights some people that I want to briefly mention at the top, and they're two organizations. The first is On Our Team, and the second is Costume Professionals for Wage Equity. Now, these are two organizations that you need to know about, so I don't care if you got to write it on your hand or if you're going to write it down on a piece of paper or if you're going to put it in your phone or just look at the show notes at the end of this episode, probably. That's the easiest thing you could do. Um, but these are both organizations that are working toward equitable pay in the theater industry. Elsa Hiltner, who is a co-founder of On Our Team, actually reached out to me last month about an initiative that they were leading for pay transparency on Playbill's job posting platform. You'll hear about it in this episode, but they were actually successful already in getting Playbill to require pay transparency on their website. This is just one of the many things that they have done, and initiatives like this are things that you can be a part of. Yes, you, listening to this episode. This one passed, but there will be more, and there are many more organizations working to make change happen in our industry right this moment. So if there's anything in this episode that resonates with you, please consider getting involved with an organization like Costume Professionals for Wage Equity or On Our Team. Be an arts hero or lift the curtain. Be a part of the change that you want to see. All right, let's get into the tea. So thank you so much for joining me, Tony Carasella. I'm so excited to have you on this episode of the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Ah! So how are you doing today? I'm here. I'm alive. The sun is out. You know what? <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> At this stage in the pandemic, that is <laughs> more than enough. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel you. So just to get started, I would love if you would just tell the listeners in your own words what it is that you do in theater. Mm. So <laughs> right now, like everyone else, nothing. 
I'm I'm an actor. I studied to be an actor and I would like to be an educator like one day. That's like on my radar. Mm -hmm. And also I write I write plays, but like nobody reads them because I don't want them to. (laughs) So that's where I am right now. An actor just kind of like floundering and, you know, pandemic world of theater. I love that you put it in those words, because honestly, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Yeah. There are many times that I feel like I'm floundering <laughs> in this pandemic land yeah. and it's it's not where it's at. No. It it doesn't feel good. No. No, <laughs> it really doesn't. I mean, it feels bad. Yeah, cuz we are so like driven and motivated by like the things that we're working on. Um, you know, and by the people that we get to work with. Yeah. So being disconnected from those things right now is I don't know, I'm struggling with it. Yeah. For me, that struggle I think comes from, and I just realized this recently, theater is such a community thing. Mm -hmm. And being in a pandemic, especially like, you know, you can't be around people. You're not really a part of a community. Um, That that like especially hurts, I think. That's the thing that really is like the kicker for me. Yeah, yeah. And maybe this will feed into this, but I'm curious. Uh Would you mind describing why you decided to get into theater in the first place? Oh, yeah. So I don't know. I feel like young, young Tony, I'm still a toddler. I'm yes, like, you are still young. Yeah, right. Like I'm I'm hardly a human. But like uh young Tony decided that's the only thing that mm-hmm. I could do. Like I had no idea. I was like, that is it. And I just I made this decision. In seventh grade, grade seven, my brain went, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do theater for the rest of my life. Like, that's the thing I'm going to do. And then I committed to that yeah. and just have never changed it. But I also just kind of love it because, again, it's the community thing. I love just like making art. It's like mm-hmm. I like I have to be making art. And theater is like the thing that I'm most connected to, I think. Yeah. With it being analytical and also like really creative. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just have to be doing it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So you said in like seventh grade, Mm -hmm. you were like, all right, I got to do it. I got the book. I got to do theater. Was there anything that happened then? Did you like see a show? Were you in a show? (laughs) Are you ready for this one? What's the tea? I did. Yes. Seussical the musical. I did Seussical and I was like, this is it. The shit is it. I'm doing this forever. Are you kidding me? I was like a citizen of who being ready to be boiled in a vat of, I don't know, whatever. And my brain was like, I have to do this forever. This is it. There's no other. I have nothing else in this world. I have to be on stage. <laughs> Honestly, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, Susical's freaking sick. <laughs> if I got to do that in seventh grade and somebody told me that like this is yeah. what theater is, yeah. that's probably when it would have happened yeah. for me too. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is it. And it was a really cool production because it was like middle school and high school. Um, oh, sweet. So it was a giant cast. I'd never yeah. been anything in anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And my brain was like, yep, forever. We're doing this forever. Right. We have to. Yeah. That's amazing. And the fact that you had that opportunity in seventh grade. Yeah. Like, that's so important because it sets you on this journey that you're on now. Yeah. With, you know, like theater and working in theater and different areas of theater, too. Absolutely. For sure. And like, that is one of the things is like, you know, you start a lot of people start as actors, kids in shows performing, and then you, you fall in love with all these other different little aspects of it too. Yes. uh, Cause it's so huge. That is so true. So what are some of the areas that you've been able to work in, in your theater career so far? So when I met you, I was an apprentice Mm -hmm. and that was kind of like my first big thing outside of school. So I was I'd probably been out of school for about a year and a half. And there I got to do sort of not everything, but like a lot of things in a more professional realm rather than just doing it in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But I would say I didn't really do any acting out there. I haven't done any professional acting since I graduated because I was, you know, either working to survive or like being in an apprenticeship or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I did get to do like really big hands-on set building, 
and box office management stuff, which I also really like. I really like management and sort of administration side of theater. Yeah. I got really into marketing in college. Yes. That was like part of my work study job. Um, so I also really like mm-hmm. doing that part of theater because it's also like how we get butts in seats. Like you have to do that. It's important. <laughs> Girl, the tea. Yeah. I I was the same thing in college. I was the marketing assistant and it's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. And like also just important. Mm -hmm. And also you are, when you're marketing theater performances, you're marketing to the hardest people to market to, which is college age people who just want to like go day drink instead of see a matinee. (laughs) You know what I mean? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) That's so hard. They're like, listen, just bring a flask, dude. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I promise our show's gonna be better if you're a little dry anyway. Like, have fun. You know, or <laughs> go out for drinks beforehand at your local bar, get a little snacky, you know, and yeah. make it a And night. then just do it after. Like, who cares? Right. And then do it after too. And invite some of the cast and crew because they're gonna want to come with you. They okay? they wanna be there. Yeah. They, they actually wanna be there more than you. Honestly. <laughs> and there are many reasons why. Okay. There are many reasons yes. why. One of which is that a lot of these people are not being paid. Oh no. You know, people are working longer hours than most people realize, taking on things that are nowhere in the job description that they sign up for and having, you know, to just meet these expectations. Absolutely. You know, we're talking about internships, we're talking about apprenticeships, we're talking about these jobs that theater people are, you know, told that you have to take in order to advance further in your career. If you want to get somewhere else, you have to have X years of experience, these names on your resume. You know, this is a reality that we face. And oftentimes it means that you're facing conditions where you're not getting paid, you know? And yes. So I want to chat with you about all of that today. (laughs) Yeah. I love talking about it. It's my favorite thing to do. I know. And you are so like outspoken (laughs) about it online, which I live for because Yeah. Like I said before we started recording, nobody else is advocating for us, so we got to do it ourselves. Yeah. Well, and that is one of the things that I started saying to the other apprentices that I worked with was, and and this is something I just like kind of say to other people now, we, especially young theater people, we're not in a union. We don't have a union. So we have to learn kind of how to like stick up for ourselves and like be our own Mm -hmm. sort of like emotional union basically (laughs) yeah to advocate for ourselves to advocate for you know the other people we're working with Mm -hmm. because we don't really have anyone else to do that for us i think we're so vulnerable to being treated poorly because of those things of like this is how you advance in your career and this is how you get the experience and this is how you pay your dues Mm. Uh, disgusting um Mm -hmm. and also it's so easy to exploit people who have these giant hearts that theater people have yeah i i i don't know i just think it's it's huge (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally and i mean i'd be curious if you would be willing to you know share anything that you might have experienced in your career thus far that you know might be something that you would hope that other theaters could learn from in ways that they might not, you know, treat their apprentices or do to people that are, you know, there. Like, what are some ideas of things that you've experienced that others could benefit from? Yeah. Okay. So I think like one of the things that we really have to look at, especially, and I'm going to talk about internships, apprenticeships a lot, just because like I did a year of that year-ish pandemic got in the way. But when we look at that, we very much think about those as educational things, And they are. I don't think that that should be discounted at all. I think internships, apprenticeships, I'm probably going to slip up and just say apprenticeships a lot because I was technically an apprentice, just letting everyone know. Um, (laughs) That's fair. I think that they bank on this idea of, hey, you're learning something, so I get to exploit Mm -hmm. you. And that's nonsense Um, because I do think that people should have these opportunities uh, opportunities to learn, but I don't see why they also can't 
have the opportunity to be treated properly and also be paid properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing labor. You should be paid for that labor. And also, you no matter what job you have, whether you're in theater or not, and theater is just so susceptible to this because it is theater, the nature of the craft is vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, you just shouldn't be emotionally abused. I think that should just kind of be a, a big kicker here is, I don't know, maybe stop emotionally abusing your apprentices. Like, uh, I, I would just say stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and just this sort of this sort of overworking business, mm-hmm. it happens not even just in internships apprenticeships we know that it's the whole field and i think there has to be a change in the time commitment that we are demanding of both you know contracted employees people that are Mm full-time staff and apprentices i think it's kind of crazy and i don't know but you're talking about like emotional abuse and the cost you know, of mm-hmm. this job, of being involved, like the time cost, because like, you know, it's not just the rehearsals. It is yeah. getting there. It is the script that you have to memorize when you're not there or the designs that you have to come up with when you're not mm-hmm. there building those designs. You know, it's all of this this work that goes into making that show yeah. happen. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That we all know is there <laughs> and we all struggle with yes so why aren't we doing something about it yeah you know i mean we're the ones that are setting these rules we're the ones that are creating these calendars you know and can we work more efficiently you know are there times that we can break things up do we have to have a 12-hour tech day to go through all the cues you know are there ways that we can work on these things differently you know that might even be more equitable to the people that are involved also Mm -hmm. you know on terms of what's required of them in those times of, you know, intense, long work hours and what they're being paid and who's in the room. Yeah. So I want to also talk about that emotional abuse thing because, <laughs> man, that is real. It's huge. That is real. Can we talk about how things are often, at least in my experience, <laughs> things are often held over people's heads. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're first starting out in theater. Yeah. You know, like whether or not you are going to do something and whether or not that might lead to another opportunity or whether or not you take on something that is asked of you and, you know, maybe you don't execute it the way that they would have or the way that they might have asked you to and, um, you know, things turn out sour. And it's just like, it's hard because in those situations, the, you know, interns or the apprenticeships, like, I mean, the apprentices, they feel as if they don't have any power. Like, we feel so powerless in these roles and at the will of the people that we're, like, you know, working under. It's, it's not okay. It's not okay. No. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I mean, I think that uh, programs like internships are specifically designed to make the people who are working those jobs to feel powerless. You think? There, yeah, I think there's an advantage to for the employer, whether they do it intentionally or not, to mm. sort of create that power imbalance. Yeah, because it gets the work done. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I I kind of think the powerlessness is intentional. Um, yeah, and sorry, this whole sort of thing, I'm like being transported back into the building that I worked in. So like any sort of question that you're like asking me, I'm like, okay, I can feel the walls around me. And I like know what the carpet feels like. And it smells like the theater. Like my brain is like going through all of it. Why do you think that your memories (laughs) of of your time in that role are so associated with place? Oh, because we spent 400 hours a day there. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Come on now. Like, that's the whole thing is, is, like, there were some nights where, I mean, at least two of us, um, especially when we were, we were props designers, Mm -hmm. we, we spent the night there, like multiple nights, especially during that sort of like tech week thing. Cause it was like, well, I'm not going to drive 30 minutes home to drive back at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So I'm just going to stay here, sleep on this little ottoman. Uh, ottoman futon we didn't sleep in an ottoman oh my god that would hurt so bad futons aren't better but uh, <laughs> i was like a futon's not much better for you. <laughs> you know and then like just work on props for as long as you can pass out for a couple yeah. hours and then like get back to it 
Right. And I think like a lot of that for me, going back to the idea of, I do believe that internships, apprenticeships should have that element of education. Yes. There were moments where I think that could have been stronger in my own apprenticeship. And Mm -hmm. it's a bummer that it wasn't because that's, I, first of all, I love learning. Like learning is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, And so parts of that where it wasn't necessarily as present was a bummer and also made me feel a little bit incapable Mm. just because I'm like, well, if I had someone to kind of like be that mentor to me, which is also like what I think should be involved in internships, then I could be doing this task better. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Which also is probably different from place to place. I think it is, but you're speaking and you're touching on something that's really important. And I want to make sure yeah. that this distinction is highlighted. <laughs> like, you're calling on internships and apprenticeships to have more of that educational component and that mentorship you know, component. Yeah. But the reality, I think, for a lot of institutions is that they're hiring on somebody to do these kind of entry-level jobs. Yeah. And so they believe, or at least from their perspective, the education that you're getting is from doing the work. Yes. As opposed to, you know, really having somebody, you know, like have a meeting where you have like a lesson about something that you're going to be working on. Yeah. And somebody that's constantly checking in with you to talk about your experience and reflect back what you're learning from those experiences so that you know, you know, that the learning is actually happening. Yeah. And also, if you want just that entry level position to come do that work, just hire me for that. Do that. Don't mask it as, Mm. hey, we're going to put you in this this program for, you know, X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. And then also any other duties assigned, you know, like. Ooh, that little asterisk. Right. Any other duties assigned. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't do that. Just hire somebody for that position, but they're not going to do that. And you know why? Because it's easier to to, you know, not pay an apprentice as much money uh, than it is to hire an actual person um, under this veil of education. When Mm. also you're not teaching me, you're just getting labor, honey. (laughs) Oh, it's annoying. The tea, the tea. The tea has been spilled. Yeah. This is the truth. This is the reality that we are facing as, you know, young professionals in this industry. You know, a lot of the opportunities that are out there are not structured in such a way that you'll be able to make the most out of the opportunity. And I'm sure that that's also on the apprentices themselves, you know, to really, you know, do that work too, to give, of course, but you have to be met halfway. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, it can't all be on the apprentice because you are going there for the resources that come with that institution and the people that work at that institution. You know what I mean? That's an expectation that I think interns and apprentices have going into whatever assignment they get. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. It does become kind of this like trade almost. Like, hey, I'm, I'm putting in this. What do I in turn get out of it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, is that my stipend? Is that educational opportunities? Is that going to see other performances like whatever, you know? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say something else. and I don't remember. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, something I would also love to talk about is the fact that obviously the pandemic has cut us all off from our Uh, But a kind of positive byproduct of that is that it has given us an opportunity as theater practitioners to connect with each other, which oftentimes I think is something that we struggle with because we are so focused on whatever projects we're working on at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So virtual spaces have done a lot for allowing theater artists to gather and talk about the issues that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. There's a Facebook group that has over like 5,800 uh, members, and they often talk about these exact topics that we're talking about today. And one of the things that they brought up, they were asking in January about the role that higher education plays in perpetuating unfair practices related to internships and apprenticeships, and what role, if any, higher education should play in ending this problem. Mm. Right? Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. 
that's really interesting for sure. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, luckily for me, I didn't have to do any internships for school. I know that that is a thing mm-hmm. that a lot of people have to do, even outside yeah. of theater, which I think is stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do it. Um, I think like paying credits to be exploited is uh, crazy. And I think colleges need to kind of be aware of that. Mm-hmm. I know that some people in the group were talking about like their current educators um, and they were talking to students about not taking any any internships where you aren't being paid for them, um, which yeah. I do think is a good start because especially there are like so many unpaid theater internships. So many. At the same time, like if I have to. Yeah. If I have to do an internship to graduate, I'm going to do what's given to me. And if that's an unpaid internship over the summer, well, I guess I'm going to be there. Yeah. And and that, that sucks for people. I also think, you know, they should be talking about, I, I, I kind of have gotten to the point where I strongly agree with people uplifting these apprentice, apprenticeships that do have positive practices. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's kind of gotten, that's that's been hitting my radar more. Yeah. Because I also think we should call out the, the bad ones, but I think the good ones are so few and far in between that we mm-hmm. really have to be highlighting those. Um, no, I don't have a list of them. <laughs> That's okay. I really love that you bring that up because that is something that I think is really important. I think something that is like an ideology that we can kind of take with us moving forward, I think out of what I want to call like the Trump era, is like instead of focusing on all of the bad that's happening, it's like, look at this good. Mm. This is really good, right? This could happen in other places. Yeah. And this is how they're doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all that bad that's over there, and for all the people that are listening to this, I'm like using yeah. my hands and doing all these chests. Yeah. It's really He is great. very dramatically using his hands. You know how theater people are? <laughs> He's doing that. <laughs> but you know, uplifting those models and yes. highlighting those best practices will help. And other people can see yeah. those as examples and be like, okay, how, they did it. How can I do that at yeah. my company? I also kind of think it it is like... Hey, um, why aren't apprentices applying for my program anymore? Mm. Oh, because they're all going to these other ones that <laughs> uh, people keep talking very highly about. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Let me see if I can do anything yeah. uh, with mine uh, to make it better. Right? Yeah. And to make it more competitive. I mean, if you want the best, if you really want quality people, you need to offer them something yeah. that's worthy of their time and their expertise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think that we, especially with unpaid internships, which are so many of them, we're constantly blocking out people who should be in the room when they're not. Yes. So that we're looking at people just like anyone who is in the lower classes immediately get blocked out of rooms because they can't spend 60 hours a week in the theater that they're not getting paid for or they're only getting paid like $150 a week to be there like yeah. they can't do that it's just not possible so there has to be a way to make theater equitable for I don't know, everyone like mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't know why it's so hard just pay people <laughs> how they need to be paid and don't abuse them Literally, (laughs) pay your artists and hire diverse teams. Yeah. You know, representation matters. Oh, and reach out to those people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, that's something, too, that like we haven't even talked about is like, well, I mean, that you just talked about. (laughs) 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 Who can afford to take those internships? Yeah. So, like, if you're a college student who works, you know, full time, and goes to school, there is no way that you have the time for a theater internship. No, dude. Right? And if you don't have the money to be able to not work, you know, yeah. or to not be in school while this is happening, like, then maybe you can if you can afford to. Yeah. But then you're playing this game of balancing, okay, so I'm working on this project for two months. I'm getting this much money from this part-time gig. Like, 
okay, I'll be able to pay my bills, but can I eat? <laughs> can I eat food? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing about, like, I am very much, I am very much aware of my own yeah. privilege that I got to leave my hometown, drive out to a place with a significantly higher cost of living and make a okay-ish amount of money at yeah. my job but then also have the support of my family because I would not have been able to do it if I didn't. Looking back at every apprentice from that season, none of us would have been able to do that if we didn't have outside support. Yeah, And that is huge. I, I think that's very indicative of something very wrong in our industry. Yeah, It's, I don't know, it's scary and it's limiting. Yeah, um, I think we're really limiting and like, especially because I don't want to hear anybody ever again say like, you know, we're running out of stories to tell in the world. No, we are not. You are just not uplifting the people whose stories need to be told. Yeah, you just keep <laughs> telling the same story over yeah. and over again. Like, <laughs> that's the problem here, honey. Like, I mean, even go back to your theater history class. It's like, how many um, how many playwrights of color yeah. were you exposed to? And like, we're talking like classical, you yeah. know, like theater history. Like, none. Yeah. <laughs> none. And I remember, so it was my modern theater yeah. class, my modern theater history class. And it was like the first day of class. And I noticed on the syllabus, there were zero female playwrights and i went no 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 this this is modern theater history <laughs> you're telling me you're telling me we're gonna read like 40 plays and none of them are from a woman i'm sorry did women not know how to write in 1915 like what are we doing here right so then i went on like a whole tangent and my professor was like please stop talking did they add female text to the class to that class i don't know but <sighs> My um my other professor, he was the one that I worked with mm -hmm. uh, very closely. He then made our uh, intermediate acting class all female playwrights <laughs> because he was like, "What do you what do you mean they didn't put any female playwrights in that class?" <laughs> I was like, "I I can't I don't know I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> I live. Yeah. That's amazing. It's like, fine. We're only doing scenes from women. <laughs> okay, great. That's the best theater class. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Better playwrights anyway. <laughs> yeah, it... Hey. Where's the lie? Where's yeah. the lie? <laughs> I want to read this because I think it goes well. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. Okay, so this is some tea that I think pairs well with what we're talking about with unpaid internships. Um that got sent to me by Elsa Hiltner. She is one of the organizers from On Our Team, which is an organization that builds pay and labor equity in the theater industry and is dedicated to creating a united front in requiring equitable pay and support for theatrical designers. And she wrote to me on behalf of that organization and the Costume Professionals for Wage Equity, which is a labor advocacy organization with the core mission of achieving an equitable and sustainable rate of pay for all working professionals in theater, film, and entertainment industries through education, advocacy, and community action. Work. Nailed it. Oh, thank you. These are amazing organizations, <laughs> people. So if you don't yeah. know them, you should uh, learn about them. I'm going to link their websites in the show notes. But here's the tip. So they reached out to me about a um, an endeavor that they are working on. And I just want to help amplify their message a little bit and bring awareness to this if anyone wasn't aware that it's happening. So a national network of theater workers led by On Our Team and Costume Professionals for Wage Equity are calling on Playbill to require clear rates of pay for listings on their job site. The coalition is gathering signatures on an open letter to Playbill in support of a pay transparency policy. So it seems like they sent a letter to Playbill's leadership on Friday, March 5th, 2021, requesting that the company require clear rates of pay on all jobs posted to their site. They've yet to hear from Playbill. Playbill has not responded. Playbill is not in the room. The Theater Communications Group even signed on to help support this endeavor. And radio silence from Playbill. <laughs> so... 
I just want to read a little bit from the open letter so y'all can kind of understand where they're approaching Playbill from and why this is important, why should why we should care, right? So before releasing the open letter, on our team and costume professionals for wage equity contacted Playbill directly to request the change. The request was supported by the Theater Communications Group, which sent a letter to Playbill supporting the call to change. Playbill was contacted by costume professionals for wage equity in 2019 with the request and did not respond. Requiring clear rates of pay is part of a larger multifaceted movement by on our team, costume professionals for wage equity, and in tandem with other national organizations like Be an Arts Hero and all these other great organizations aiming to remove gender and racial based pay disparity and build pay equity in the theater industry. Um, currently, Playbill is allowing for job postings to list no or vague pay information, including TBD, depending on experience and competitive salary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ambiguous terms. <laughs> that enable pay disparities based on gender, race, ability, and other biases. Requiring a clear rate of pay for all jobs listed on Playbill's popular job site will promote pay transparency, help to reduce pay gaps based on biases, and combat deeply rooted pay inequity that subsidizes the industry and undermines the field's potential diversity, sustainability, and artistic vitality, says Elizabeth Weisler, co-founder of Costume Professionals for Wage Equity. So I would love to just know, like, Listening to that, hearing about that, knowing that that's happening, um, you know, Playbill is a huge cultural institution in our country and leader in our industry. So I, I wonder if you have any thoughts about this and what's happening. Absolutely. Always. I have so many thoughts all the time. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of my things is I... This is something I do even in my non-theater work. Mm. I'll be in the break room. I'll be like, hey, so... Uh, how much is everyone getting paid? <laughs> That's me. That's yeah. I'm that coworker because I, I, everyone is exploiting everyone mm. with this, this false idea of no, 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 no. We just keep it all hush hush. We don't talk about that. We don't. No, oops. Huh? That's, <laughs> that's boomer shit right there. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> And I do also think it's really great that so many people are now kind of demanding this from them. And when you sent me the letter, I was like, oh, this is probably a little older. It's literally dated March 9th. I know, um, right? That this, I was like, oh my God, this is, this is now. We are living (laughs) now. Yes. Um, It's crazy. I also really liked um, one of the things sort of further down in this letter is so this is a study from 2019 titled Mm -hmm. culture and working conditions for artists states indeed the largest subsidy for the arts comes not from governments patrons or the private sector but from artists themselves in the form of unpaid or underpaid labor Mm. that's it that is the whole thing and like i i can remember one night during my apprenticeship the lighting designer of one of the shows was Mm -hmm. like in the theater all night long again basically doing what we did as props designers doing all of this work to get the stuff done right and i remember i remember uh someone on the job at some point being like don't worry too much about how poorly you're being paid because if you do the math on all of us, none of us are being paid correctly. Ooh, that's disgusting. Oh, my God. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That's so oh gross. God. And you're okay with that? Yeah. Also, it was like a person that consistently works there, like not like a contracted person. Yeah. That's so gross. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's so gross. That's yeah. not okay. No. So you're not paying your designers, your actors, your apprentice apprentices, you yeah. like none of you are paid correctly. Uh, what? So, OK, you have an entire team of people, none of whom are being paid correctly. So you have an entire <laughs> team of people who are overworked, underpaid, stressed, tired. That is a toxic environment. Toxic. So toxic. <laughs> and I oh um I remember 
Oh, you know what? I don't remember apparently anymore. Sorry. One of the cats came in. So my brain is half like aware yes, of a cat. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> there was one night when mm-hmm. I told one of the other apprentices, I was like, I don't think we're being paid very well. Because when I first went out there, I was like, oh, that's fine. That's enough money. I'm a young little idiot. It's fine. Everything's okay. And yeah. then you start doing the math. I think the minimum wage in Michigan is like, Nine fifty or something or nine dollars like whatever that. it's like just under 10 either way it's two dollars more than pennsylvania so bless up <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and i was like hey i think we should sit here and do the math uh because she didn't believe me that we were getting yeah. paid less than minimum wage because that's like what we were mm-hmm. especially the weeks that we're working 60 65 hours a week and we sat and we did the math and then she started to get mad. And I was like, yes, welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the dark side. I love yes. it. I love that. I mean, I don't love that. Oh, you no, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, you know, there's joy and comfort and solidarity. And you know what? I think it is pretty cyclical. Cyclical? Cyclical? Cyclical is the word I'm looking for, too, is we're overworked, we're underpaid, and that really forces people out of the industry, which I think Mm -hmm. then perpetuates this idea of, well, I got to keep working. I got to take on another project. I got to do more, more, more Mm -hmm. because there's no one to fill the roles. When there is people to fill the roles, there's just not people to fill the roles for how shitty you're willing to pay them or treat them because apparently bad pay also comes with, Hey, I am going to abuse you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's how they were treated. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Like, let's let's expose it. Let's just break it open because this, and this is the same in like ballet with dance, like, but hardcore, like even worse, you know, where it's just like this cycle of, when you are starting out, you're going to get treated like shit. You're going to get paid like shit. You are going to get put through the ringer yeah. multiple times. And then you can do this so that you can do the same thing to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That can make sense. Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm actually sense. much more interested in making the whole field like equitable rather than yes. making literally anyone else scrape off the side of the building. Like, yeah. I don't want I don't want to treat people poorly just because I was treated poorly. And you would think that that would be a bigger thought in like a field as empathetic as theater. And yet Mm. it isn't. Nope. It's like worse. Yeah. They're like, I felt bad. So you have to feel worse than I did. And you're like, what? I didn't I didn't ask for that. Right. Like starry eyed, you know, bushy tailed, like I just wanted to do theater, yeah. you know, have a good time, do the work. I wanted yeah. to do the work. Yeah. You know, and I wanted to get paid for the work that I'm doing. Also, like there was this thing that I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm a really good artist. Like I'm a really good theater mm-hmm. artist. I do other art. I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really being given the chance to show anyone the actual ability that I have as a theater yeah. artist, um, which that also means that, oh, I'm actually not going to get a job after this because of the work I'm putting in, mm. because no one's seeing my work. They're just making me do other shit, yeah. you know, like yeah. what? So I don't know. So the recipe for a yeah. good internship so far. Oh, the yeah. It's got to be there gotta be the there. education this needs to happen it needs to happen i think so yeah mentorship yeah. you need to be there you need to be available you need to be accessible yeah those things they need to be there i also want to read another thing that was in this email Ooh. because i just think that it's i think it's something important to keep in mind especially with like considering who's in our room right now our zoom room and who's not in our zoom room right mm. so this was taken from the email that i got from elsa As seen in the Asian American Performers Action Coalition, AAPAC, Visibility Report, Racial Representation on New York City Stages, released in September 2020, recent, for every $1 spent on BIPOC actors, theater companies spent $1.70 on white actors. Mm. This underpayment disproportionately impacts members of marginalized groups. Pay secrecy in the industry makes it difficult for individuals to spot disparity and effectively advocate for themselves or others. So, 
just another reason why we need to be upfront about what we're paying, the expectations that we have, and get more people in the room. Yeah. Get more people in the room. Yeah. And I think like, I think one of the things that stresses people out about the idea of having BIPOC creators in their spaces, and this is just me talking as a little white girl, um, is I think people are really worried about losing power or losing their connection to power if they uplift other people. Mm. Um, And actually, I think that that is bullshit. Right. I just don't. I, I don't think that that is a real thing. I don't see how you can become powerless by uplifting everyone else. That doesn't really exist for me. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That's something that other people have spoken to on this podcast too, is like the strength and the power that comes with knowing that like you don't have to have all the answers and that by reaching out to other people and forming connections with others, it's actually just making you mm. and the work stronger as opposed to, you know, like yeah, detracting from you or whatever it is that you're doing. Like, yeah, I, it doesn't really make sense to me. Why, yeah. why aren't yeah. we supporting everybody else? You know, like whatever your show is happening at the same time as like their show. Okay. Well, why, yeah. why don't you have a relationship where you start to figure out when their show is happening. So maybe yours mm-hmm. can happen at a different time and we could all work, you know, a little bit yeah. more collaboratively. And that's just one way that we could, you know? Something was pretty eye-opening to me last year about how theaters pander specifically to white audiences just because white audiences yeah. are their their quote-unquote money makers. And mm-hmm. it's so gross. I think it's really gross. I don't have much more to say yeah. beyond I think it's really gross. Um, because... I don't know. I think it is just a continuation of, well, the little white grandma won't want to see that. Or how will she feel about, you know, having creators of color in her theater or like whatever? I don't give a shit about your racist grandma. Like, I don't care. I do not care. That's not the point. The point is to uplift other people. (sighs) But who am I? You know? I don't know. And just two, you know, words on that topic, development and outreach. Hey. You know, you say that you continue to have, you know, this white audience that, you know, they're the only people that show up. Why are you just pandering to them then? Why aren't you trying to cultivate a diverse audience and bring in different people? Like, we... Obviously, we don't do enough of that. Yeah. As an industry as a whole, we do not do enough of that. That's why theater is considered a dying art form. And I think there's also a huge issue with that in the education of theater as well. I've only like kind of started to learn about that. Mm. But that's that's huge. That's a huge thing. Like if people aren't having access to the educational side of it, well, then they're not going to be applying for internships and then they're not going to put themselves through that. And then they're not going to get the job afterwards, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's huge. It's huge. And it sucks. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) I wish I had a solution. Like I wish I was like, and this is how we fix it. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think the only thing that I can do as a person is call out other white people all the time. Like, and also call out other people who are exploiting uh, other people. Like it's, yeah. it's all I have. I just yeah. have a big heart and a bigger mouth. Like I, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Well, speaking of that big heart and that big mouth, <laughs> both of which I love so much. <laughs> have you ever experienced or do you perceive to have experienced any difficulties in this industry because you are so outspoken about, you know, the unfair treatment and the unfair practices that happen in it? I would say not yet. I do remember (laughs) during my apprenticeship, I had a really hard time about mm, a couple months in. And I was like, you know, I think I was telling this to one one of the people there. I was like, I think one of the things that's like really getting me is, is, you know, all the exploitation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they, they were like, well, there is no exploitation. And I was like... Oh, yeah. oh no, you don't understand. There is. <laughs> and so 
I don't think that that's really happened yet. Um, yeah. It's also hard because I've been doing a lot of it in in this pandemic world, you know, so right. so I don't know what's going to come out of it. But also, I've kind of gotten to the point where uh, I don't care. Um, like, if you're going to be mad at me mm-hmm. because of, of what I believe in and you're not going to hire me, like, because I want to stand up for myself and other people, mm-hmm. I don't want to work with you anyway. Like. I don't really care about burning bridges if that bridge didn't want to take me to a place I want to go. It it doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Like, I'm going to be a loud, annoying bitch the whole time anyway. Like, I might as well do it. (laughs) Yes. Like, my, my mom didn't raise me to not be that way. No, that's that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that, because I think that that is a lesson that many people need to learn and not just young theater artists, Mm-mm. older theater artists as well. You know, yeah, for sure, because you don't have to stand by while injustice happens in the rehearsal room, in the casting room, in, you know, wherever room you happen to be able to occupy. You don't have to be a bystander yeah. to these practices that we've been talking about this whole episode. You know, you can call it out. You can do what you're doing, Tony. <laughs> and, and naming it for what it is, the bullshit that it yeah. is, so that people know that they will not get away with it anymore. Yeah. That's the only way this is going to change. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be loud, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So just a couple more questions for you. Oh, I love questions. <laughs> What do you love about theater? What do I love about theater? <laughs> now that we've gotten all the mess and the muck out of the way. I'm, I'm in a Stockholm situation with... Um, no, I I love that. So there's like a couple yeah. things, right? Uh, I mean, probably like a million. <laughs> One of the last things that I was doing at my apprenticeship was working with kids in their, their children's mm-hmm. program. And I was just watching how like important theater is for people to harness just different daily life tools. Totally. It makes kids like uh, human, adult humans as well. Humans. (laughs) Children are humans. Oh, my God. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) um, But I, I think it gives it gives people tools to. I don't know, be more confident. I think it's just a really fun storytelling tool. Mm-hmm. It's all I think it's always gonna be my favorite way to tell stories. Yeah. Because I I think like, I don't know, I think that's the thing that I call myself is a storyteller. So I I just really love, I don't know how hands-on theater is as a way to tell stories. It's just really important. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense, but Hey, I think it makes sense. <laughs> if it makes sense to you, that's what matters. <laughs> Listen, I, nothing makes sense to me. <laughs> Girl, brain mush, chicken cutlet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what I love, I love to ask this question because everybody always has something cool to say. So, okay. <laughs> what Uh-oh. I know, no pressure, but you know, a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is something significant that theater has taught you about life? Oh, oh, about life. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Almost contradictory (laughs) to what we've been saying this whole episode. I live. What is it? (laughs) I feel like it really has taught me to, like, work hard, Mm. which is still, like, an important thing to me. Um, Yeah. Just like in in a reasonable amount. Yes. But also like, so like working hard and sort of valuing that and also just how to be, I think, a more vulnerable person. Um, Like vulnerability is such a huge thing that I think I didn't really let myself be a part of. Um, until probably like halfway through college. Um, and I was like, I guess I do have to be vulnerable. Huh? Uh-oh. I don't want to do that. Um, but I like that vulnerability helps you grow like yeah. as a person. Um, and so letting yourself be vulnerable with other people, 
making theater, I think kind of lets you be vulnerable with other people and your other relationships outside of that world. Mm. Um, and that's kind of been a huge thing for me because I, if any human being sees me cry, I might as well die. <laughs> <laughs> I might, I might as well just bury myself in a grave. immediately. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's, Oh my God. You want me to be vulnerable? Absolutely not. But like, you have to be. Yeah. <laughs> like I get I get that there's a lot of contrast coming right now mm-hmm. but I'm into that's, it. That's I'm a very contrasty person. Yes. You are, you know, an <laughs> intersectional being. You are a complex yes. human. Human. Yes. Human person, yes. girl, person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. It's hard out here. <laughs> I love that. I really love that. The vulnerability and I think you talk you touched on like a balance. You know, a balance between like that work ethic that you get from it, but having Mm -hmm. the boundaries to still have a life, you know, that can sustain you when you're not working on a show. Because there's as much time as we spend in theater and working on it, there are equally as many times that we're not in a show, that we're at home, um, that we're doing other things. And that has to be just as valuable. Yeah. You know, so... Absolutely. I appreciate you saying that. I think like moving into this this world post the pandemic, I think a lot of people are thinking like in that vein too of like work is not my everything. Work no. will not be my everything and I will yep. find a balance that works for me. Yeah, I think that's something that theaters that yeah. people who hire people, uh that's something they're really going to have to start considering mm-hmm. because that's been a huge shift I think this past year. Right? Uh, like uh, uh, very obviously I'm aware of uh, how awful a lot of the world has been um, you know this past year but I'm also like so weirdly grateful for for this pandemic like throwing up a wall and being like hey you have to take Mm. care of yourself Um, you you have to do that because I wasn't doing that before and I had no idea how to And, and that really changed yeah. this year. Well, that's awesome. I'm happy for you, queen. Yeah. We all need hey, some of that. Listen. <laughs> you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Especially theater bitches. <laughs> <laughs> we are so tired and we have no, no money. <laughs> Somebody feed me and <laughs> let me take a nap. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, if someone sent me, like, a gift basket of, like, food and i don't know socks <laughs> like that's all oh like why socks that makes me so happy i don't know i just feel like i need new socks <laughs> work i love that i have so many fun socks like socks you gotta, are great you gotta have fun socks oh yeah totally <laughs> Well, on that note, I want to thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for using, you know, your big mouth and your big heart to stand up for what's right (laughs) because we need more people doing it. And there's change that can happen. And that change only is going to happen if people work together. So thank you. I hope this episode helps, you know, get people, you know, thinking in that way and more connected to resources that they can support. Yeah. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So thank you. Thank you for sharing your time and your expertise. Thank you. I like being here. I like hanging out with you. Honestly, I feel like we should probably just FaceTime more. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) What am I talking about? We're all too tired and sad to do that. But (laughs) you can send me a Snapchat and I'll respond to it in a couple days. But yeah, I love talking about theater. So if anyone wants to talk about theater, I will do that. (laughs) Hey, that's amazing. What would be a good way for people to contact you if they're interested in talking more about this or other theater stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, You can email me. I have an email, I think. Let me give you my more real email. Cute. Yeah, I have that. It is a real email. Just email me if you want to you want to talk some things. It's t.o.caracella, C-A-R-O-S-E-L-L-A, at gmail.com. <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm accepting oh sponsorships. If anyone would like to sponsor me, just to live. I <laughs> Just to continue in this horrible existence. <laughs> 
Oh my god, it's not that horrible. Especially when you got people like you. Oh. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for taking some time to share your experiences with me and the listeners of this podcast. I really appreciate your vulnerability and your willingness to speak so authentically, and I appreciate your candor. So thanks, pal. I really appreciate it. If you want to know more about Tony, you can find her on Instagram at Tony Lee, and I'll have her linked in the show notes too. Thank you for your support of life in theater. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are creative, valuable, and loved very, very much. And don't you forget it, okay? Now you can chat with me and other listeners about the show and your own projects by following Life in Theater on Facebook or Instagram at Life in Theater Podcast. All right, friends, and as promised, we do have another winner of a exclusive Life in Theater mug, and this giveaway was for my Patreon subscribers exclusively as a very special thank you for supporting this podcast and supporting me in this awesome project that I've had so much fun working on. So, without further ado, the winner of the Win This Mug Patreon exclusive giveaway extravaganza eleganza is Vicky McGowan! Congratulations, Vicky. I'm so excited that you won this mug. I'll have it out in the mail ASAP. I like to end every podcast episode with a ghost light quote. Ghost lights have a long history with theater, and they're still used on Broadway and in theaters all across the world to help the last few stragglers see their way out of a dark theater at the end of the night. I hope this quote helps to light your path. If you want to lift yourself up, lift up someone else. Booker T. Washington. Thanks again for joining me on Life in Theater. We'll be back very soon with another episode. Bye, friends.